go. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the fourth episode of Changing the Narrative. Um, this is Edward Badu here, um, alongside Giles. You want to introduce yourself? Yep, Giles Aban here as usual, ready for another session. Come on, you know how it goes, you know how it goes. We've also got another member of our team here today, um, Karen. But yeah, we've got a special guest here um, today, Natasha Yellen. She's always been an individual that's moved with purpose and a strong value system. Currently a production coordinator, not to mention that she's an extremely talented dancer with a passion for acting. With this talent, she's performed on some respectable um, platforms. And um, with further ado, um, Tash, can you please introduce yourself? Hi guys, I'm Natasha, Natasha Kashi-Yalinen. Um, yes, I don't know what you want me to say. So basically, I am a dancer, actor, a production coordinator, and everything creative. I just, I'm here to entertain, here to entertain, here to always spread good vibes. That's me. We love that, we love that. How are you doing anyway, you right? Yes, I'm good, I'm good on a Sunday. Temperature's going up, so... Yeah, it's always a good, good start. No, we hear that. Still, we hear that. No, thank you for sort of being on today. Yeah. And um, the conversation is going to sort of allow us to really obviously understand sort of you. But most importantly, I think sort of the background and sort of where this all started. Um, I think that's always important in in talking to someone. I think sometimes we get caught up in sort of the chapter they're on or sort of where they're at. But I think it's always beautiful listening to someone's journey um, and their background. Um, and yours is... Um, yeah, I mean, very inspirational. Um, so um, if if you don't mind sort of sharing sort of where this all started for you, Tash. Yes, well, thank you, first of all, for having me. So I'll say, obviously, I've come back, I've come from a, a great two-culture base. I'm half Kenyan, half Finnish. I was actually born in Kenya. Um, and I guess that's been one of my biggest things is having both cultures cultivate me to a point where I'm I'm super creative in every single aspect of my life I've always known not to be stuck in one box um and I'd say that's that's the main the main base for me and what I kind of feel like it's my core value is just not to be stuck in a box and to take everything that is thrown at you constantly take things that are all part of you and make it into a bigger part of you um, so I'd say, for instance, I was born in Kenya and I think that's the biggest thing for me is always touching roots. Roots are so important for me coming back from, obviously I moved, I moved quite early into this country, but I'd say I'm still strongly a Kenyan. I go back every year without fail, without fail. Um, and having my connections with family and friends and also just everything I, I I guess it's 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 what I remember always thinking oh in Kenya they don't really dance but I wanted to make sure that um so even though I they don't really have like dance classes and whatnot and coming here was such a big thing for me but I wanted to always like incorporate my African side into the new into this culture as well this London culture mm -hmm. um and then at the same time with Finland, having my dad, my dad being Finnish, um, they have a different way of living as well. So my dad's been the biggest biggest point in terms of how I go creatively. Like my mom's more of the you know academic side. It's always the African parents that's more. Yeah. Academic. 
always <laughs> the, the African side, but my dad has always been like the big, big driving point for me in terms of going, no, you should also cultivate your creativity and know that you can do more and you can get money from it. I think the biggest thing is people are always so afraid that you're, you're not going to be able to get money from this, from this industry and you're not going to be have a stable life which has always been my big, big um, back and forth argument with my mom. Um, but yeah, I think I'm rambling on, but I don't know. <laughs> I think that's where it's all kind of started. I came to this country and um, my dad made sure that I did all my ballet classes. I was so busy. I, I was one of those students that I'd go to school, but every day after school, I had an activity. I had either had ballet, tap, um, acting classes I think I only had Wednesday as a day off because I was busy Saturday and Sunday so and I think that's so important when it comes to like raising a child is that you need to make sure that you keep them occupied you keep you keep cultivating their talents as uh, alongside with education because you can do both and I think that's what I'd say my strengths are is that I've also done really well academically but I've also done really well um, in terms of cultivating my creative side and expressing myself um but yes that's that's where I've kind of that's my base if that's that answers the question now that makes a, a lot of sense and I think one of the things that you touched upon um is this whole sentiment of roots um how you want to keep in touch with your roots and that's not just from your African side but from your Finnish side as well like what makes you want to you know, keep in touch with your roots and kind of, was it something you learned growing up or was it something that you've kind of highlighted more now because of what's going on? Like, I'm more interested in to understand why you care so much about your roots. I think it's so important, like how a tree grows with its roots is the same way we need to grow with our roots as well. Like you wow. will not understand yourself fully and to the extreme until you know your roots. Like I'll say, for instance, in America, I think a lot of Americans are lost because they don't know their roots. They don't know their roots. They don't know how to fight for themselves because they don't know their roots. Well, I say I, I know who I am in every single aspect of my life. Like I'm not just black, but I've, I've also got my Finnish side. So I don't I don't disclaim any side of me. I'm, I, I use them richly, both of my cultures richly in terms of everything I do. And I think we're like... It's, it's just nice. It's a nice conversation starter. I can just go to someone and say, I'm Kenyan and Finnish. And straight away, you want to know more about me because I already know myself. And if you know yourself, then it's easy for people to want to know more about you and sell yourself because this world is about selling who you are. And if you don't know your identity, then you don't know, you don't know how to sell yourself. Like, what do you stand for? Who, who's your actual base? Like, who, who inspires you? It's all important to, first of all, know who you are um when it comes to my Kenyan side I think I have so many inspiring people there and I learned so much from like my mom my aunties I see how hard they work but not only that it's just the beauty from that country as well that like anything like I remember in art class um I loved ballet I did this one little um art piece where they wanted to know about your culture and or no, it was I don't know what, what the topic was but what I did was I took a ballet shoe and then in the lining of my ballet shoe I put African print and it, it got 
like people loved it so much. My teacher loved it so much. She even put in a museum. That's And so for me, from an early age, I learned that if I express myself, it goes further. It goes further and beyond because you're putting true depth and meaning into it. If that kind of, un- yeah. No, that answers it. That answers it a lot. I mean, um, Ed, did did you did you have anything to add on to that? Because that that that's powerful. Yeah. I mean, no, that was yeah, that was extremely powerful. I think just sort of is. I think what was beautiful with that as well was just how you're able to sort of understand sort of the different cultures that you sort of have and that you can appreciate. For example, your Finnish side and your Kenyan side, and almost merge them together. Um, I think that's just beautiful, and the way you just look at it in in that regard, I think is 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 very powerful, and I think it's the reason why you're able to know yourself quite well, and um, it's in terms of where you are today, and um, yeah, you're saying, and you're able to sort of understand sort of benefits of that, which I think is is amazing. But I mean, since if we're on this topic as well, um, I mean, sort of knowing you firsthand and knowing you um, for for what pretty much most of my life, I think um, the question that I want to ask around this sort of topic is, I mean obviously growing up sort of as a mixed race um sort of female but i mean predominantly your family you grew up with sort of your sisters and your brothers and um who i know are all black um sort of fully black so i mean what was what was what was that experience like um if you if you don't mind sort of touching on that yeah it was i can definitely say i had my low points about it all um mm. I, there's so many stories i can i can pick out of the out of the bucket but um I'll say my main my I'll say it's an issue I found it hard because for me where I had my black culture I'll come home all my brothers and sisters are black and I find them so beautiful I remember being jealous of my sister at times when I was younger um but I always felt like I didn't know this is what I'm saying it's so I feel like I'm at a good point now where I know who I am but there was times where I didn't know whether I want to be black or white and this is why I say you can't, you can't put yourself in a box because I I I grew up in um even though I grew up like in Tottenham and in Palmer's Green I was with my black family a lot but I'd go to school and I went to predominantly white schools like my schools were so white there was only like five black kids um in my year in secondary school um and th- and that was including me so it was it was hard trying to you know know who I wanted to chill with because I I used to I used to always like I I cried about it to my mom I was like I don't know who which friends I want to be with because I had my white friends and my white friends would be able to you know have sleepovers and they they party different they they talked about things differently and I enjoyed that and I respected that but at the same time I had my black friends and they wanted they their laughs and and energy was so completely different and I love that equally as well so I just didn't know who the splits and I remember like friends would get jealous that I'm hanging out with this friends and and I was always felt torn I felt torn so torn between the two cultures um so it was hard and where where I I appreciated being around the white people and the education and and whatnot, I still wanted to always, you know, go partying with my sister and go to like the black raves and, and whatnot. But I, I never understood why it couldn't just be mixed. Um, mm. It was always hard for me growing up. Mm. Um, and, and then that's why I say, don't put yourself in a box. And that's why my introduction was, I don't put myself in a box. I, I take it all. Like you, you have to inhale it all to actually 
just feel alive, yeah. like no stress about it. Um, that's deep, yeah. I feel like, um, about you not putting yourself in a box and kind of not understanding what you wanted to be, um, like growing up, uh, they say that kind of clarity cannot come if without strong commitment so you growing up did you have a strong commitment to kind of looking back at your roots and seeing how you developed and and that kind of leads me on to the question uh what's your why what drives you what what's the reason why um you've come on to speak today what's the reason why you work in the field that you work in like what what's the thing that makes you get up and you're driven and determined to go and do things i'll say my why is so first of all i love to entertain people i think I'm I'm a person who you need to know your strength and you need to know that this is who I am. Um, and so I'm a production coordinator. That is my bread and butter. Um, I work in the TV industry. I'm still, I'm still growing. I know I'm not where I want to be, but I know I'm going to reach there. Um, and I think that that's, it's knowing your goals and aspirations in life. Um, and my aspirations in life are definitely to, you know, create, create content for people. I like to make people happy. That is my biggest thing. I want to always, like, Teddy knows me. I'm always ready for a vibe. I'm always ready to host people. Um, I'm such a giving person in terms of, like, I want to be there for people. Uh, Thank you. But, yeah, I always want to be there for people. And it's the same way. I, I, like, when people, like, if if an African parent or, you know, people are like, why are you trying to get into um, TV, film, and that stuff, like, it's not like a doctor. It's not as, you know, meaningful to the world. But I'll, I'll tell them you're wrong. It is so meaningful. Like, imagine this world without art. Imagine mm-hmm. this world without music. Imagine this world without without stories. Because essentially, movies are stories. Like, we have been telling people stories from, from olden times. Like, from probably cave people who told each other stories with the writing in the walls and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and so I think it's so important. This is what, this is what distinguishes humans from other animals. We we wanna we wanna nourish our minds in different ways. Like we we don't wanna just um obviously we need to be healed by doctors, we need to dispute arguments and, and the core and and whatnot, but happiness and emotions are what drives human beings and if you can make a show and give them emotions I think I think that is that is a gift that is a gift you're giving so many people so if you can like create content mm. that people can you know laugh cry um think about it all like I think I think that's a that's something definitely that that we needed the world and so I just knew straight away I wanted to be in that industry I wanted to be I wanted to be um yeah making people feel I think it's important to feel with that with that Tash was it a case of sort of you felt a sense of um duty as in like yeah. you, you were blind almost do this because it sounds like not only is it your why is in like there's a there's a true sense of sort of purpose as to why you're doing it but almost like an obligation like you feel like this was my calling like i have to do this i mean your passion on art i mean i i very rarely saw hear anyone speak about art in a way you've just expressed it just now which is yeah by the same time amazing in the sense that is it more than just sort of a why and a sense of purpose but more just like you know this is my obligation this is my moral duty i need to sort of express um in a certain way and I want to be in this field 
yeah, no, I definitely felt from young, it was my obligation. So I'd say right. that the reason why is like, I think going back to Kenya, like one of my few memories from, from actually living there was that I always remember being the only mixed race person in Africa, like in, in my family was a huge thing. So it was kind of from early, I was always looked at. I was always looked at. I was always there to entertain the aunties that came into the house and, and seeing them happy and seeing them like, you know, flourish with joy. Um, it, it always made me feel good. It made me feel great. And so there was times where I did, so I did biology, chemistry, maths, um, and media studies for A-levels. And so there was that whole wow. where she used That is to crazy. <laughs> impressive. Know, oh my gosh, it was my, the most depressing time of my life. Uh, and and that's when I realized, nah, this, this isn't me. This isn't me. I'm, I, I'm here to entertain. I'm here to, I'm, I can't, I can't, obviously it's nice to save people's lives, but I'm here to actually, like I just felt like it was just it just sat right it sat right in my, in my system I would I remember you know studying chemistry and then being so depressed that I'll just go into the edit room and start you know editing a, a music video or something like that um, that is so interesting yeah because you say you talk about not um you didn't want to save lives or whatever but with your art you are almost you are saving lives with your creativeness and so it's just two different elements but to the to the naked eye we feel like oh only doctors save lives and whatever but through your creative kind of literature and your creative mindset it's almost empowering and freeing other young people so you are saving the lives of of other young people through through your art Mm -hmm. so that's a don't Mm -hmm. i I think that's really good you've just opened my mind to that as well which is which is really good so interested but but with with that with that tash or were you going to say something sorry no no i was just going to elaborate on that point and say yeah i noticed that from early with um with sixth form when i did a music video and it 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 made a ripple effect in my in my old school where now they've made that curriculum bigger and better for them and so many i I went back three three like three years after i left and the music videos that they were doing, I was so inspired. I was like, oh my gosh, you guys have made it such a big thing in the, in, in it was Latimer. I went to Latimer and um, yeah, it's, it's wow. not seeing that people are affected or they, they change the mm. sets of people, but yeah. yeah. But talk me through that process. So um, in regards to sort of A-levels in that time and just in general, because um, you are, you are quite bright. You're very, very smart. I mean, obviously you just highlighted that you, you went Latimer as well. And um, we all know sort of Giles, you know, as well. So getting into Latimer was, was, was the next thing. Do you know what I mean? You had to what sit exams, um, I believe. Um, but just in general, so just understanding that you were academically very strong. So very impressive. Um, but then at the same time, you're very creative. Obviously you're a dancer as well, doing really well in that. So, um, how hard was it for you to almost make that sort of differentiation or that that decision to say because there was a time where you were trying to do both you were torn between sort of am I going to go down the academic route and um, perhaps go into sort of the back end of sort of the creative world or am I really going to be at the forefront and uh, sort of take up the whole dance profession um, which you're quite good at um, and you've been on some really sort of respectable sort of platforms so how did you make that decision and how difficult was that um, for you sort of growing up especially in that sort of peak time as well around sort of what's 17 18 
it was it was really hard so yeah I've always been academic um I mean secondary school I went to St Michael's which you also have to do a test to get in um mm. and I remember my mum wasn't even interested about those schools I was the one that actually went to and was like I want to go into these schools I want to sit down the the test and even with Latimer going into Latimer for sixth form you also had to do a test so on top of GCSEs you still had to do a test to go into Latimer sixth form so oh. and That's for me mad. that that was the <laughs> that was the norm. I was so ready for that, but I also loved dancing and acting. And I think I think Latimer was when I realized, like, okay, I've done enough academics. Like, it was so hard there. Oh my gosh, it was so hard. Really? Like those kids were. I I praise them because they were all intelligent. I sometimes looked to myself and was like, why am I here? How did I get here? Like. I, definitely in Latimer I was like confused how did I get here because people were you know doing easy I remember my first year of sixth form I must have gotten a C in maths and I was like shit I need to oh, sorry for language but I need to <laughs> I didn't know if you know kids are gonna be I don't know but yeah I need to fix up and the next year I got A and it was nice being around those people like they really push you but um, after that, I, I literally was like, "Mom, I'm not, I'm not going to be a doctor or anything like that. I'm gonna go and do a year, a year of performing arts." So that's what I did. I took a year out of academics and I did a year of performing arts at Erdang, which is also like a big, it's a big um, dance school. If you're in the dance industry, um, it's a dance theatre performance uh, singing school, and that is where I think I really found myself. Um, but it's funny enough doing that year in dance so so many people know me as a dancer but what I realized was when I was there I loved doing dance every day and acting every day but I also knew like I missed my academic side I miss putting my brain to work um not saying that dance doesn't put your brain to work or dance uh, or acting doesn't do that I just felt like I didn't just want to be a backup dancer, do you know what I mean? Which I've, I, I, not not saying it's it's bad, it's just I also wanted to cr- like be the creator. So I know I could have been a choreographer, but I, I knew I, di- I didn't have a voice. I couldn't sing. <laughs> I could not sing. Um, Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. What oh, club? I'm not involved. The, oh. the no singing club. You you are involved, bro. Don't lie to yourself. Do not <laughs> lie to yourself. Welcome to the club. But uh, yeah, so I couldn't sing, and so I knew my position would have just always been dancing or choreography. But I wanted to do bigger and better. Um, I wanted to be the person behind the whole picture, creation of the picture, whether that is now you're the creative set design, like creative movement director, everything. I just wanted to put it all together. And I felt like after after doing that year, that's when I made my decision. I'm going to go and study TV and film production because I can feel with that, with that career now, I can put my dance, my acting, also together with my academic side, which is like, you know, bringing, just bringing things together, like in a Tetris way, like um, just being the overall creative. I'm a bit of a person who just likes control, basically. Um. Yeah, no, I hear that. I completely hear that. But that's my question then leads to, with with that being said, um, 
my question then leads to, and I, I, this, this is not only for you, Tash, this is for sort of Giles and Karen as well. By all means, anyone can sort of chip in and answer, ask this question as well. But I feel like then in life in general, when we're sort of good at a number of things, um, do we sometimes have to always make a decision or can we sort of merge the sort of the two or the three together? Because in your case, it was just like academically very strong, very talented um, dancer. You then got acting there. It's like... Do you have to sort of merge the the three together, or is it a case where no, you know what? I prefer, I just love sort of the academic sort of lifestyle, and that's 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 the route I'm going to take. Or do you know what? T dance has always been my passion, and that's what I'm going to take. Or is it a case of merging all three of them together? But just in general, I mean, being talented and having other sort of talents is it a case where we have to merge it, or do we sometimes just have to sort of pick one and run with it? Um, I. I should I should I answer this? I think girls, no, whatever, yeah, Tash, by all means. I think I think it really depends on the person. Like it depends. Obviously, I think it's a big burden when you have multiple skills. Like it is mm. so confusing. That journey is gonna be so confusing. It has been confusing for me. Like I'm still I'm still trying to, you know, tell everyone I'm not just a dancer. Like I'm still at, at this age, I'm still trying to show people that I'm not in just one box. But then I'd look at my like I'd look at my brother and I'd look at other people who have one dedication and I'd be like, oh my gosh, that is I'd look at them in jealousy. I'd be like, I'm jealous of you because you can just stick to one thing and just smash it while while I'm here juggling. And it's one of those things where you don't want to be a jack of all traits. You want to be a king of kingpin of one thing. Yeah. Um and it's, yeah. so, it's so hard, but I think you just have to look at the kind of person and, and this is why you have to know your why. Like, why am I gonna wanna do all these different things? And not only that, on top of that, I think I think we have to also realize time, yeah? With time, with time it, it does seem like it's a short time and you need to just work and focus on one thing, but you we're gonna live for a while and you're able to dive into different things all the time. I met an amazing, um, editor and director and um, I visited his house the other day and he's he's so established he's done docu um, docudramas in on BBC and everything but at the same time he's also found his love in in clay and he's doing art and he's he's selling that so he's had different stages he said he only started that maybe five years ago or 10 years like about five six years ago and he's now making money out of that but also editing and also di directing and also like he showed me that it, you're you're not going to ever be fixed in one place and because you have a long life you're able to just dive into everything like everything has almost um like a footballer you're as a footballer you're not going to be a footballer until you're 70 so you're going to have to find a new why afterwards um the only, the yeah. only thing about people like me who has a multiple things is that I have to I have to juggle all my whys in one time, in one place. And, and whether it's going to take me up to, I don't know, until I'm 60 when I, when I've fully established, that's okay. Some people have made it now. They've got that. They've made, they've become a singer. They, they've, you know, sold everything by the time they're 30, but then they need to find their next why. But with me, I'm going to have this why, these multiple whys for a while. And I'm, I'm okay with that now. I'm happy with that. If that, no, that's good. Just not to chime in. Um, I just wanted to know, Tasha, quickly. Um, what advice would you give to someone 
um, who's in your position. So what advice would you have given yourself, say you were 14 years old? So say you were 14 years old now, looking back at what you've done, what what's, what would you tell yourself? Would you tell yourself just take a leap of faith and go into performing arts? Or would you say keep with the education? Say there's someone like you right now listening to this. What would you what would you tell them to do? Um, I would tell them to to trust. I think I think trusting in yourself. So often you you get wind up in doubting yourself that you d- end up not doing anything. You end up not moving forward. You're static. If you just trust and keep going with it and do it with all your heart and all your passion and stop worrying about oh maybe I could be doing this instead or oh, maybe I could be doing that instead. If you just trust and just keep going with it. I think world the, the I think the world would kind of like bring you bring you center all the time. They'll just always bring you back into into a centered point. So mm. it's it's trusting yourself. Don't don't be static. Don't ever just go. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Just and I think that's what I have definitely done. So I, I don't think I've made any bad choices. I've and also that as well. Don't don't regret anything you make. You make like don't regret. Like I remember. My first year of uni doing TV and film production, I was like, I was like, have I made a good choice? I left all my friends, all my new friends who were dancers, actors, who have now become big stars, like in terms of the West End and everything. And I was like, have I actually made a bad choice? Did I? And and I think my first year at uni, I didn't focus or I, I could have gotten way more out of my, my first or second year of uni if I stopped worrying about my decision my my leap of faith uh, my leap my my you know my spontaneous decisions because <laughs> I, I did get into especially after that first year I did get into other school other like acting dance schools but I just I just I had to just trust that this is what I wanted and just trust yeah. <clears throat> and I think just adding on to what you're saying I think what it is now just as you're talking I'm trying to sort of understand it myself and process and take it in and I think what one thing that I'm starting to understand with you but in general when it comes to when you're in this situation because sort of as a young guy who was playing football I know Giles you were as well um and even yeah it's a passion and who wouldn't want to be a footballer but I think it sometimes boils down to as well as the points that we've sort of spoken about around what's your why what's your passion and um do you have an obligation a moral obligation or duty to sort of do it I think what's also sort of important here is how we measure success because as you've just highlighted here Tash you've got mates who are quite renowned in these particular industries um that we've spoken about today um and they're doing quite well in sort of the dance scene and sort of in acting mm-hmm. but I think with you I think what was interesting was just that I think you measured success a little bit differently to them and uh and to you it wasn't about sort of being the biggest sort of star or being the biggest um sort of person um dancer in um the dance scene it was about really I measure success completely differently to someone else and I think that's interesting but I think is that the narrative that we should take in general and we should measure success to our own accord um, rather than sort of looking at what society sort of aspires to. Mm, I think, I think yes. I think, I think what I've been also learning, I'd say in the last two years is is always always celebrate your little successes. Always celebrate, mm. and I think it's hard when you always compare yourself, and it is important not to compare yourself to other people. And you have to know again with time things are constantly changing things there's always a time for different things and same way there's going to be a time where this friend is going to be successful right now 
but then there will come a time when you're successful in other people's eyes but that doesn't mean you're not successful now you're successful from all the little things you're doing you just you just aren't seeing um the fruits out of it that is it like it's it's simply it feels bitter right now but fruits will pop up later on in life um you just have to kind of again trust that um and just know little things like waking up every day there's some people who who struggle with depression struggle with this struggle with that and if you're if you are dealing with that that is success that's a success in itself so it is it is about praising yourself and being compassionate with yourself it's not about being harsh on yourself because the more you're harsh on yourself the 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 more you're just not gonna be motivated to keep on driving keep on going forward um so I know I've had my times where I'll be comparing myself and and those were the times where I was static I wasn't moving and I remember I had to get myself out of that like I had to I had to you know see the little successes also remember where I've come from where I've what what little achievements I've made and not see them as little but see them as, as as big and see them as a slowly big journey to to my final chapter which whatever it's going to be is it's I just know it's going to be a great big chapter at the end um, love that. that so yeah that's I think I think success yeah you can't you can't just say mm-hmm. oh this person's successful and this person isn't no you have no clue you don't have no clue what success they have um yeah mm-hmm. it's hard in this social media world world yeah Mm-hmm. that's that's crazy uh, i mean w- another question for me is kind of you at a young age what did you have to give up in order to achieve your kind of goals and dreams like what sacrifices um did you make um so i'll say for instance secondary school times i'll say i sacrificed a lot of social time um, I didn't really have a lot. I think I'm making up for it now, as <laughs> Teddy will tell you. I definitely am <laughs> now. It's a problem. I'm addicted to it. But I, I definitely... What, sorry? Uh, I'm addicted to what, sorry? Uh, I, no, I said I was addicted. I was addic- I'm was addicted. i addicted to social time, like having social... Ah, uh, yeah, you're a social butterfly. I'm yeah, a social well, butterfly. Yeah. But in, sec- in secondary school, I really wasn't. I was... I was obviously still the same bubbly me, had friends and whatnot, but I was always busy. Like, but that was because it was, it was my, my decision, but also my dad's and my mom's decision to also also make sure that I am occupied with dancing and acting, but also my education. I was just super focused all this, like those, those years I was so focused and it really set a foundation for me until now where it's almost like, secondary nature now is is it's simple to me but and so now I'm able to you know socialize like so I'll say that was my big sacrifice when I was younger because I used to see my brothers and my sisters all having you know fun all chatting away um sorry my mum just walked in um but yeah just chatting away um and having birthday parties but I'd miss out on that I'd actually miss out I'd, I'd be like I have I have drama class I have this the whole Saturday up till five o'clock and I enjoyed it um I think that was the only sacrifice really um was that just putting my head down those those 
pinnacle years and, and and that's why I think when it comes to raising a child you have to make sure that child is occupied you can't make sure you can't it's obviously nice for the kid to to socialize with their friends but it's also good for them to really learn a lot about their talents and learn and also just educate themselves so it's easier for the future. yeah no sacrifice is a big one I mean I think we have to always sort of sacrifice a bit to for for what we believe is is the bigger picture do you know what i mean so um it's imperative but i mean your point that you just made around sort of doing quite a bit in terms of um yeah people occupying your your kids uh is a big one as well and i think that that's that's partly to do with sort of the whole changing out thing. i think you're lucky that you were able to do quite a bit sort of early on because i think you look i look at sort of my upbringing and we look at sort of people in general sort of from a certain backgrounds sometimes they don't have the the privilege of doing quite a bit so after school and everything else so I mean how important was that in your in your development um Tash or being able to have so many extracurriculums after work do you feel as if that was a big factor in helping you um sort of develop no it definitely was a big factor for me I think it's what really got me into being really hard working um uh I'd say yeah, I, that's I, I don't really know what to say to that it, except yes, hundred percent. It was it's made me who I am. It it made me understand all my talents to, for the future, which is myself now. Um, and I think, I, yeah, I thank my mum and my dad. Happy Father's Day today. Obviously, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I'd say yeah, it's, it was really important for me. No, I hear that. Because we didn't really touch on the the whole, I mean, period from when you sort of came here. So from Kenya, you came here kind of thing. And um, was it sort of hard sort of integrating and sort of assimilating? I mean, I, I know I was very, I don't know even if I can remember now, but yeah, I was I was very welcoming. I think we were quite welcoming. I remember when you first came to St. Francis a long time ago. What was that, about 20 years ago now, wasn't it? Yeah, 20 um, What's that? Yeah, twenty years, twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how how was that sort of period in regards to sort of coming here and sort of selling here and 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 do you go back sort of quite a bit and uh, sort of what's your relationship now sort of going back to Kenya and everything else? Um. So, like, obviously, I was really young, but I do remember before I went to St Francis, I actually went to Palmer's Green High School, the girls' school, the private girls' school. That was I went there first. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember it being really hard for me and my mom. My mom also said it was really hard. That's why she took me out of that school and just took me to, because obviously, again, Palmer's Green High School is very white. Um, so it was nice going to um, a school in Tottenham and you guys were super welcoming. Um, I knew I needed to work on my English very well, very hard. <laughs> so that was another thing. I mean, I still do because having so many cultures and in my house um no one really speaks English as their first language except me um well I had to speak English as soon as I got here um and kind of forgot Swahili which I, I it's annoying that I've forgotten it oh, so speaking no more no no not really at all they don't there was just too many languages going on in the house that it was just it was hard to keep me doing like keep me cultivating that language so and I needed to work on my English because I remember I struggled a lot with that the teachers would tell mom um but it was it was hard and I think 
I think I, I kind of blended. I definitely did. It was easy to blend. I think as a, as a you know, as a mixed race child, it was fine. And also I did go to an English school in Kenya. Like I went to English reception. Um, so it was easy for me to blend here. But I think going now, now it's funny when you say, oh, how's my relationship with Kenya? Because my relationship is that like, I'll go there and it's so funny how I'll go there and they call me Mzungu, which means white person. So even though I'm Kenyan um, and I fully believe in it, I was born in it, I was born in the country, they'll still, they'll see me as white and not them. So I, I, ha- I do have that, that kind of downfall when I go there. Um, yeah, how do you tackle that? How do you deal with that? I kind of laugh it off. There was one, there was one year I kind of, there was one year I did an internship in Kenya um, and I, I did an internship for, I think, for four weeks. Um, I was working in a TV, um, TV station. Actually, it's, it's, it's so mad when you go over there. Like, I thought I was going to be making teas and coffees and they were like, right, here you go. Here's camera two. You're going to be filming the news. I was like, OK, <laughs> here we go. Um, but I guess it was that. It was like I saw the perks and I saw... Um, the disadvantage disadvantages like obviously they they trusted me enough to have a camera I don't know whether that's because they thought oh this is a girl from England she's she's you know white because they didn't really see me as black um let's trust her with that um while I saw other interns really not doing anything like they'll do teas and coffee so there'll, there'll be advantages but then at the same time they would always make those little remarks like, oh, humizungu and everything. And I just I just kind of embrace it. You have to take things lightly. You have to take it with a pinch of salt and 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 work it and use it to work for you rather than than fight against it. So by using that to work for, with me, I ended up making amazing friends then. And I think that's how I I now go back often because I go and see those friends. I'm super connected with them. I always feel like it's second home because I just, I, I, I had a light heart with it. If I was aggressive about it, it would have got me nowhere at all. Nowhere. Um, so I think that that was my way of dealing with it. hundred percent. I needed to just take it with a pinch of salt, laugh about it and, and become friends with them because I never know, I might move back to Kenya and work with these guys in the future. It's yeah. Thinking about thinking it's smart. You have to think smart. Sure. Do you think you ever do that and go back and to work with them? Or I've, I've definitely thought about it, 100%. With the way things yeah. are over here, like people don't realise how rich Ken, like Africa is. It is so mm. important to go back to your roots mm-hmm. and just see how it is and see the opportunities there. Like everyone's coming here for opportunities, but it, this isn't a fair game over here, but mm. over there you have so much more opportunities and there's there's definitely more of a clear path once you get on a path out there. Um, yeah. Um, and and so I do think it is, it is, it is a something to you know flirt with that idea but obviously I have a lot of friends here and I have I do want to make it here first and then go over there and and be serious when I get over there so there's definitely that opportunity I I wouldn't say no to it I 100% would go back there boy the life over there is amazing so yeah 100% would you guys go back (laughs) 
Um, who's going first? I'll definitely go back. I'll definitely go back. You know, I mean, the weather, um, the opportunities. And, you know, I think we're really fortunate to have um, profited from the education system here. So something that I've kind of done my own development on is somebody who's in Africa, who's um, maybe has the same degree or even learn to a higher degree isn't seen as as the same as someone who studied here and they may not have even learned um something of prominence but just because they've got a, a uk or a us um degree they're seen as well established um so that's something that you can always take back home but i, I hope in the future that kind of changes um because i know a lot of people back in africa who their intellect is just out of this world i mean that I, I know tasha you went to some reputable schools in terms of saint michael's and and latimer and everywhere else but some of these guys are literally like brain scientists rocket scientists so i'd, I'd definitely want to move over there and and see see where it takes me but i'm still building i'm still trying to build the foundations um and ed's part of that so let's see where it goes in the future Amen. Amen. Hundred no, percent. Yeah. It's it's true. People in Africa they are educated so well, so well. Mm. You cannot even disclaim it. But it is sad to see that. Like it's sad that that they don't trust their own people. They trust people from England when really truly the English system, the English education. When you think about it, compared to other countries is isn't that great unless you go to a really good school it's not that great where like other countries like in spain and france they learn english they learn all these other languages when we try and learn a language in this country it's like honestly like doing i don't know just just doing a little quiz here and there just for fun it's like a leisure rather than actual full education um so it's sad that they 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 put England on such a pedestal and this is why I think this is one of the root problems in in quality equality um we need to we need to have as black people we need to more have more respect for people from Africa people from Caribbean like we need to have more respect that they actually know what they're doing and they're not just you know I know how the media would like like to you know um, describe them in media but then they're so educated they do have a system in place way better than ours yeah no i agree with you still but we need to be part of that change in, in regards to we change that narrative um no pun intended obviously perfect <laughs> but, perfect timing Ed. perfect timing that's it, that's it but yeah no it's true we need to be part of that that culture and changing so people's perceptions and and the way Africa's portrayed. Um, do you know what I mean? I think that starts from us sort of going back and sort of spending some time there. Not to say that everyone should just um sort of go all at once because yeah, that's gonna be very hard. And is that practical? Um we're not I'm not too sure. But yeah, we should definitely sort of take time in sort of going back and really helping try to change that 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 image that Africa is portrayed as a, as a place where um people are not as bright um, because people are um and really understand that we can build um back in africa as well and i think it's important that we do do that and we start now um but yeah. yeah you look at years i mean in, in a lot of industries here in the uk the markets are quite saturated at the moment whereas so if you look back home um in ghana there is sort of a lot of potential there is a lot of potential in so so many industries and i think it's key it's key that we 
sort of go back and recapitalize on on the opportunities there. Um, I mean, a lot of us speak the language as well, which is so important, um, which goes a long way. So I think we need to appreciate some of these things. And but yeah, and it and it goes back to I think at the beginning of this conversation when we were talking about the the I I look at it as the mere fact that we can trace back, um, we can still trace and say, oh, I'm from Ghana or. I'm from um, so where or Kenya or whatever you're from. So I think we can still sort of trace back. Whereas you gave the example, Tash, at the beginning of the conversation around you look at the Americans and they're now fighting for sort of that right to sort of be be in the states because they can't really identify with anywhere else other than sort of the states. Do you know what I mean? So I think again, it's part of that roots thing that you're talking about the conversation, just embedding some of these roots there. Not to even say that one's going to live there, but giving at least even your kids the opportunity. So go back if they wanted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, yeah, it's so important. It's so so no, important. Definitely. And just to hop on the back of that, I mean, Tasha, you have such an amazing and inspiring story. Um, and the main premise is is about changing the narrative. Um, from your kind of perspective, how do we change the narrative? Um, for young people going forward that are in similar positions to you. So some of the struggles that you face, how can we kind of change the narrative to allow people to to thrive even more? You know. The process of our of our thought process is um, we want the next generation after us to be better than us. What do we need to do in kind of your field and what you've experienced to kind of make a, a better pathway p- for people who are wanting to go down that creative um, arts work, um, route? What would you think we, needs to be done? I think I think encouragement encouragement in terms of giving giving the kids a push and saying you can do this like you can definitely do this I think a lot of parents don't realize what they they do mentally when they say little things to their children like kids rely on parents advice and rely on their words um and so when it's when it comes to to what you tell your child or what, what you tell other kids that you're mentoring is is so valuable to them. Um, and so it's important to encourage them that they can do anything, that this that they should enjoy their journey as much as possible. Um, and yes, that their narrative is gonna keep changing because it'll be boring to have just one chapter in one book. You need to have multiple chapters in a book. Um, and it's important that they feel that they shouldn't be static, that they have they have all the tools that they need um and just to trust I think also also just going for little things going for little competitions whether you know you're going to win it or you're not going to win it do it because it kind of encourages you to like often you know even as adults we we won't tell ourselves to sit down and draw but if you've got a competition there you go you have you have a motivation to do something and and the more you do it the more you cultivate it, the more it's actually going to flourish to be something bigger and better. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that is, I think that is definitely, you have to just encourage all the little, the, whether you think, oh, this is a little silly competition or this is a little silly course, like you do it, just do it. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you're static, you're not going to move. You're, you're honestly just, and then you're going to look back in life and be like, oh, what have I done with my life? What have I no, done? I agree with you. I, I completely agree with you. And I think the point that you made about the little competitions, it's, it's, it's crazy now because when we look at some of the conversations that we've had, so yeah, we, um, in general, but um, the conversations that we've had with um, some, some of our other guests as well, they've almost, almost again, singing from that same hymn sheet 
Um, don't you agree, Giles? It's just that they've been proactive. Um, you're talking about these little competitions. There seems to be a similar theme that you guys are always proactive, always doing that little bit more. Um, yeah. early on, get to no, where you need to get. Definitely. I mean, you took the initiative to take a year out um, to go to quite a prestigious sort of institution um, in the creative world. Again, like you had that knack to say, do you know what? That leap of faith. Yeah. That, that little bit different. And I think that is really something so beautiful, but yet so powerful that we need to adopt moving forward in terms of the question Giles asks around changing the narrative. And I think that's how you change the narrative. We need to sort of almost set um, that culture and say, you look, we have to do a little bit more than what we're doing at the moment. We need to be a little bit proactive. And like what Giles said, we need to take that leap of faith. Do you know what I mean? Like, that one year that I did with um, the performing arts, I could have, I've seen so many people take a gap year and, or yeah, take one year and they just went to retail and just got their money up. Sorry, but that's not going to get you anywhere. Like, it's good to have these jobs. And this is why, like, I had loads of jobs. I've had so many retail jobs, but I always knew that wasn't, wasn't going to be, I'd, I'd obviously had it as my side, but I always focused on what is going to rich, like enrich in my life. Like, don't forget about money wise, obviously money, it's important to have money, but what's going to enrich your life? Enriching your life is making connections, making friends, doing things that you're proud of, not just, you know, getting the money and and stuff like that. It's always good to be proud of yourself. You, your aim in life, it should be, you should be proud. You go and do this, you should be proud. You go do that, you should be proud about it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, I think it is encouraging kids to just t take a different path than the normal path that other friends might be telling them or social media might be telling them. It's so important to enrich in your life with, with other things, with more, more substance than than yeah than just yeah. present yeah okay um tasha just wanted to know what chapter are you currently on and what are you working towards at the moment so the chapter i'm in i'm still definitely growing like i said i'm a production coordinator in tv production and i'm still i'm still trying to honestly find myself in this field um, I found myself where I'm here um, organising great documentaries on BBC Three and other, other channels. But at the same time, I know I want to be inputting more creatively. So I think I'm at a chapter where I'm still being compassionate to myself and saying it's going to happen, but just keep proactive. Um, so I'm, me too, I'm keeping proactive. Um, I'm... I'm definitely trying to, you know, think about new ways of enriching in my life, new ways of being proud of myself. Um, Cause I'm, I've, I think I'm, I'm slowly getting to that point where this chapter needs to now end and I need to now move on to the next chapter, which should be hopefully um, making, making short films on the side um, and, yeah hopefully slowly go from documentaries into films because um I love documentaries they have taught me so much I've learned so many so much random random knowledge about different topics which has been great but um I now want to tell some more stories some yeah some interesting heartfelt stories so that is the kind of path that I'm going down 
amazing. But yeah, no, Tash, I think thanks for that. And um, I think now the plan is the the question that I've sort of got is uh, so where do we go from here? I mean, um, you said you want to work on your short films. Um, in terms of anything else, is there anything else that you're sort of hoping to do in regards to um, really change the narrative and uh, sort of working with young people in general? Or is it a case of just working on these short films and, and, and that's it? Mm. Um, so at the moment, my mum actually has a charity um, yeah. in Kenya, which um, looks after kids. So I know I definitely want to be helping my mum with that um, a bit more and, and bring bring more creative aspects to their lives so I definitely will be planning to go to um, Kenya and do little courses on TV and film and I mean I already go back there and teach them dance um, I've used dance as a big thing already like I've, t I've taught kids um, I used to teach actually that was one of my jobs before I got into TV was I used to teach kids um, so I think yes 100% when it gets to the point where um, I have I feel established and I can give these kids opportunities. I will hundred percent. Um, like I have friends who are ready, who just, who just graduated this year and I'm helping them try to get jobs because it's so hard to get into this industry. You just need a foot in the door. And then obviously there's going to be hurdles once you're in there, but at, at least get through that first hurdle and get into this industry. Um, but yes, I think it's important. So if you, if you want to, you want to get in this industry? Holla at me. I will. I will help you. Guide you. <laughs> no, that's serious. That's really good. That you, like. Um, sorry, I had to cut you off, but um, the mentorship kind of way you're putting yourself out for because I'm sure there's a lot of young people that can kind of resonate with your story and as soon as Ed kind of said your name that's why I kind of jumped at the opportunity to have you on here because your story is so different and it's from such a kind of different field. Um, that we know success comes from, but it's not one that people like doctors, um, IT, you know, creative arts is such as it's, it's its own world. And I think having pillars like you in inside that community um, can guide a, a lot of young people. I completely agree. Yeah, and I think that's what it is, especially in an industry like that. It's key that um, you know someone that's already in there to try and help you, um, but not only help you sort of get in there, but most importantly to for you to try and navigate as well. It's all well getting in these industries, but then how do you navigate? How do you sort of find out where's best? And I think having someone um, in there is so powerful. And uh, the fact that you're happy to sort of try and be that be that um, sort of guidance for a lot of young people coming up um, into that industry is amazing. And as what Giles said, I think being a pillar um in these communities is 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 priceless so i think um continue the amazing work um i'm sure um we'll see you um sort of in bright lights um and i'm sure we'll be watching some of your short films in in a few years time amen yeah yeah, yeah. but now it's been a pleasure honestly tash it's been a pleasure thank it's been you a pleasure. It's been a pleasure chatting well, to you guys where 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 can we find you? What where can we find you? Are there any uh, social media handles or any stuff you're working on coming up that we should look out for? Um, I, I want to make sure people can connect with you and and get the true richness, not just from this conversation but beyond that as well. Yes, hundred percent. So I'm actually only on Instagram, really. Um, I don't have Twitter. I really need to get it. But I'm under Kashi Jalinen, which is K A S H I. And then Jalonen, which is J-A-L-O-N-E-N. -E but it's actually pronounced Jalonen. It's a Finnish name. They don't they don't pronounce their J's. They pronounce it with a Y. But yes, Kashi, 
Jalinen, um, Yalinen, which is obviously my name, my middle name and my surname. It's not just a tag I gave myself, but you know, I'm out here making cash, you know, you know, I'll help you make cash. <laughs> no, fair, fair. no, thanks for that, Tash. Yes. We appreciate that. Thank you, guys.